0: Hi, my name is Jackie Goddard, and this is Power To Speak, the podcast, where I talk to a mix of creatives, thought leaders, authors, in fact, anyone with an interesting and inspiring story to tell. How did they get here? What have they learned, and how can their journey help us mere mortals? In this episode, I talk to Paul Weston, top international stunt coordinator and second unit director, and more importantly, My gorgeous dad. Enjoy. So, welcome, uh, Paul Weston, to my new podcast, Reincarnated. This is Power to Speak with me, Jackie Goddard. And, Paul, you are a stunt coordinator and second unit director, but you also, and more importantly, you happen to be my dad.
1: Yes. Yay. Thank no,
0: you. Thank you. Yeah, no, you're welcome. It's bit, you know, I've had a few guests, obviously, in its old incarnation as Attica's Arts, um, but you've been on the list for a long time, and you know, I thought going into this new venture, uh, who better to to kick it off than a father-daughter conversation?
1: That'd be wonderful. Good yeah. luck with your new adventure.
0: Thank you. Thank you. So, let's start at the beginning. Right. My beginning, obviously, this is all about me. <laughs> no, we'll start with your beginning. Tell us, uh, tell us how, tell us. I obviously, I know the story, mm-hmm. I know how you got to be uh, an international stuntman, you know, and, and working on these amazing films. Um, but go back to the beginning, tell us how you became a stuntman because going back to the sort of the 50s and the 60s. What was it? What was the... I don't think there was any kind of a stunt register as there is now. So tell us a little bit about how that all came about.
1: No, in those days there wasn't any uh, register as such. But um, from, from my point of view, I never ever wanted to be a stunt man, It never entered my head, head at all. Um, I, I was working in a factory um, in North London, and one day I was looking around the walls and thinking... I should, this is the black walls, greasy hands, eating sandwiches around your fingers because you didn't have time to wash your hands. And I was standing by an old slow but sure burner and we were having a cup of tea. I was drinking out of a tin mug and I looked down at the old fellow sitting next to me. I said, Eric, I said, how long have you worked here? He said, 38 years, man and boy. I said, 38 years, wow. I said, have you? Always, this is the only place you, he said, yes, 38 years, man and boy, he's proud of it. I said, well, where'd you live? He said, just around the corner. I said, have you always lived there? He said, oh, no, no. He said, I used to live around the other corner. I thought, I cannot do this for the rest of my life, working in these conditions. There must be something better uh, to do with my life and I have to find it. And I had an ache that I must, I've got to do something. so, and I knew in those days that the uh, Evening Standard had two pages of situation vacants all over the world, up on uh, in Alaska, on the pipelines, and uh, oil rigs, all over the world, I thought, right, what I'm gonna do is go home, open up the pages, close my eyes and point down, and whatever job that is, no matter where it is in the world, I'm gonna go after it until they say, no, go away, find something else, I'm going to go after it. Um, I was determined, so I went home, opened up the pages, sitting in my bedroom, and closed my eyes and pointed down. And there was a little box. My finger was in the middle of, and it said, "The London School of Charm requires models, Leicester Square." I thought, "I can't be a model, you know." I was knocking around with guys in the in the North London, a little gang of us. I thought that, you know they'd crucify me because in those days you know anyone that was a uh, model was uh, was gay. So I thought, well, to be true to myself, I've got a phone up. They had a little number there, so I phoned up and uh, I thought, as soon as they hear my voice, they say no, thank you very much, and I'll be able to go back to the paper and go you know go off to uh, South Africa somewhere. So I picked up the phone and I said uh, hello, and the woman said yes, can I help you? And I said, uh, hello, darling, I understand you want models. And she said, yes, come along. We are looking for uh, young guys. Um, I'll book you in for Tuesday to meet our uh, proprietor. She hadn't said no. Uh, all I wanted was her to say no, and I could do it. I thought, right, well, Tuesday night, I'm doing nothing. It's in the West End. I can go down to Two Eyes Coffee Bar afterwards. And because as soon as they see me, say, they say no. So I'll be okay. So I had my best shoes on and off I went to, uh, to Leicester Square, went up the stairs into this lovely little um, office where studios as well. And this beautiful girl said, uh, oh, can I help you? I said, yeah, I'll come to, you know, uh, for an interview. Um, and she said, okay, I'll sit there. And I was introduced to their uh, proprietor whose name was Gordon Eden Ween, I'll never forget it. <laughs> Uh, and he was a um, um, tall, elegant guy. And uh, he said, you, you know, we're looking for uh, young guys to come in. Our <clears throat> it's a um, three month course, 10 guineas for the three months, Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, <clears throat> and you can, uh, and we teach you how to walk and how to do commercials and, and whatever. And he still hadn't said, No, I do not want to do this. I said, I thought, I've got to get out of this. I said, well, how much you, will I get, would you pay? So he said, um, between three, and uh, uh, four and five pounds. I thought, gotcha, that's it. I said, well, thanks all the same, you're very kind. I said, but I'm earning th- uh, 12 pounds 10 a week plus bonuses. So he said, uh, no, four to five pounds an hour. And I thought, wow, <laughs> I was trying to work out, eight eight hours a day or um, Saturday mornings. I thought, "This, <laughs> i got to think about this. So I did, and um, I, I stayed on the course, and um, they took me on uh, uh, in their agency.
0: So what, what year was that?
1: <clears throat> that was 63, uh, I think, 62, 63.
0: Were you, uh, ma- you were married?
1: No, I, I, this was just before I got married. So I think I, I first did it in 61 because this was um, uh, your mother came with me and my mother came to to see my passing out parade which is funny so yeah um, so yeah I then got we got married in 62
0: Uh, and so what was the transition then from from being a model to getting into stunts
1: Um, well I had several agents in those days and um, one of them sent me to understudy Roger Moore on the the old Saint series. He wanted to look through the camera and he needed somebody to to do the dialogue with the other actors. Um, So I did that and um, it was was wonderful. It made me feel so at ease. Uh, You know, this was Ivanhoe, this was the Saint, this is Roger Moore and I'm meeting him. So yeah, he he said, come and, Here's a script, and uh, just have a wander around with the other actors. And uh, I, it made me feel really, at, really at home. And we stayed friends for the rest of our lives, you know, really. So he was a lovely man. So, um, and on that, I was uh, one of the episodes, they said, why don't you stay around and do extra work, which I did. Um, and he, um, he said, could I play a little part, which meant uh, me getting thrown into a bookcase, <clears throat> no, um, a glass case, for, with one of the, the that, men that were known then, Fred the Haggerty. Uh, and he threw me, I mean, crashing back into this case, it was only a little part, you know, it's an extra, really, extra part. But I got t- £10 for it, which was a lot of money, because I, I was getting £3.50 a day, £3.10 a day in those days. Um, <clears throat> so, They said, Well, that's okay. Would you, you're a good double for a guy in the next episode. Would you double do his fall down some stairs? I think. I said, Yes. So that's how I sort of got into it. Um, And I learned as I was going along because, uh, you know, people have come down, uh, you know, known TV stuntmen and occasional film stuntmen because there was always that slight divide. The the film stuntmen didn't think television was, you know, uh, uh, a proper uh, 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 profession, you know, they but it was fine, you know. We had we did they did come down, and I, I met uh, Bob Simmons down there who was went did the bonds and things like that. So, yeah, that we we got some of the film camera uh, uh, stuntmen coming down. Yeah, so I, I would learn a lot from watching them, yeah, doing their stuff.
0: I mean it's funny you saying about the, the the film and TV and the difference between you know the the stunt fraternities but actually television was only what 10 years old really at that point
1: uh yeah, I mean available to other to people who could afford it we had the best, first television in our street probably in um 53 54 something like that um so yeah, it was young. I mean, uh, I, I started working on BBC and um, uh, Z Cars when it was live. So yeah. you'd, you'd be on there and uh, BD to Z Victor One, BD to Zed Victor One. But if you made a mistake, you know, 15 million viewers, because there was no editing, there was no, it was all live. Um, so yeah, uh, Dixon on Doc Green, um, and I was doing uh, stuff on um, uh, ITV as well, like uh, Compact, um, uh, 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 Mrs Thursday, uh, Emergency Ward 10, old TV, old TV series that were very famous at the time, you know, they were getting a lot of ratings.
0: Yeah, I do remember you telling me a story about uh, doing The Avengers, and I think it was with Honor Blackman, when that you literally were, were doing a fight, go, going from one scene to the next, sort of through the wall, so that you didn't have to stop is that right? Would you, there was a, you were doing a fight in one room, and then that finished, and then the, the action went on in the next room. But it, she sort of had to walk through into a different set.
1: Yeah, no, that wasn't that wasn't me. Not with honor, but um, <clears throat> yes, we we used to have to do that. You'd you'd have to continue the fights. I've gone through walls, you know, just in continuing fights. But um, no, mainly um, I, I worked with. Um, Linda Thorson right. and I, there was a, a girl called Shepherd who took over from Honor before um, we had um, uh, Diana, Rigg. Diana Rigg. So I, I worked on an episode, a couple of episodes with her uh, as a stand-in um, but then they shut the production down and they, uh, she left and they brought in Diana and uh, that's when we started and I was doubling first steed at that time.
0: Yeah. You were, you were actually um, Diana Reek's husband as well, though, weren't you, in the last episode?
1: Yeah, yeah, that was really sad. It was called Forget-Me-Not, not, uh, not um, and Diana was going off to do other stuff. She went on to do Bond, in fact. But um, they needed somebody to play her husband, who'd come up, come back from the Amazon, uh, and they wanted her, him to look like uh, Steed. So yes, yeah. yeah, so I drove her out of the. Um, I dressed as was my normal costume, <laughs> doubling for Steed. Yeah. Um, with a bowler hat and um, I drove a uh, a drophead Rolls Royce out of the muse and and took her away from Steed. Yeah. But yeah. It was really sad on that on that day on that set there was not a dry eye in the house. Yeah. Because they all loved Diana so much. She was so funny, so witty.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. So yeah. Oh.
0: I mean but that does remind me obviously of the of the Avengers because I was about four I think when you were doing that and as much as I don't remember it's you know obviously mum likes to tell or the you know the stories out there that um, I watched you and I do actually vaguely remember sitting on your lap watching the TV watching you in black and white run up a slope to a, a lighthouse I think and as you were running somebody shot you and I remember you falling down and I can I can remember thinking how could I be sitting here with you when I'd actually seen you get shot on the tv Uh, and apparently which I don't remember I went into nursery the next day and told my teacher that I'd watched my dad get shot (laughs) Uh, (laughs) which obviously uh, the teacher phoned home and (laughs) to find out whether we were all okay Um, and yeah so I think that was a a strange phone call for mum to take from the school.
1: (laughs) Yes, I remember. But we only, we sat you there because obviously I was going to be on TV quite a bit, doing, you know, uh, more and more stunts uh, and normally being shot as as one of the villains. So we thought we'd better sort of try to introduce you to the fact that uh, it's not real uh, and it's only daddy's job. Um, And so I'm here and you're here and this is what I do, you know. So yes, and uh, but uh, we were quite surprised when you went in and uh, then your mother got the phone call, <laughs> and you know, is your husband uh, has he been shot? So you, yes, you uh, you and you came to uh, sit on Roger's lap on one of the saints. So remember, yeah. I don't remember that.
0: I yeah. don't remember that, but I do use that now for my drama lessons. If we're doing tell uh, one truth one lie, <laughs> I do like to put that in there. I sat on Roger Moore's knee. Um, yeah yeah but going back to to that you know those those days of the avengers and the saint i mean iconic old black and white tv from the 60s but there's still a big following isn't there even now you do these uh, uh you know fan
1: tours oh, yeah the conventions
0: yeah,
1: yeah. Um, i was in i was doing a convention in canada uh, a star, star wars convention and um i'd got my photos out and just under one corner there was a, a space 99 Uh, photo. And the guy said, is that Space 99? I said, yeah. He said, that's my favorite. He called them all over and suddenly I'm selling uh, Space 99 photographs at a Star Wars convention. They were brought up on it. And I think whatever era you're uh, brought up in, whatever um, is on the television at that time when you're that Open to to that sort of those shows uh, that becomes your favorite Yeah. and this was obviously for that uh, age group that was there space 99 was their, their series yeah.
0: yeah so how how I mean obviously you've told us that uh, you kind of came at it from a, a modeling kind of kind of point of view Um, and obviously the the fact that working in a factory you knew wasn't for you and you wanted some kind of adventure you wanted to do something Mm -hmm. else but when you were at school how uh, was there anything within you when you were at school that thought you know there's more to me to life than you know staying in North London and and living a life here
1: no I don't I don't think you uh, it would would enter your mind because you were Going to go to school until you were 15, and you were going leaving and get a job, and that was it. You weren't. There was no ambition to do anything else. I was. I was always telling jokes and, and clowning around at school. And I remember my uh, uh, headmaster saying, "You should go into show business." And I never thought any more of it. I thought, "Yeah, it'd be you know, it'd be nice." But I mean, you know, I never thought of being a stand-up comic. Um, When I was at uh, Montague Road, where uh, it's like a 60 feet high building, old Victorian building, and we used to kick the balls over the top of the building, see if we could get them into the girls' playground on the other side.
0: (laughs) Any excuse.
1: Yeah, I kicked tennis balls, and they used to get on the flat roof, probably 60, 70 feet up. And I went to the the, um, new headmaster, who didn't know the the, um, building at all, I said, can I go up top and um, and get some uh, balls, there's stuff on the top, tennis balls. He said, yeah, I where is it? I said, was well, it at the back of the, the school? It's a flat roof. He said, oh, okay, yeah. But he did, I didn't tell you it was 60 feet up. So I went up the back stairs and got onto the, the top of the roof and I was kicking the balls down and there was some in the gutter on the sloping roof. And so I went along the gutter and I was picking the balls out and then I thought, well, a bit of fun, I'll climb up the apex to the apex up the tiles and now I was walking along the top of the the uh, building I could look down into the girls playground and the boys and I could see my house from where I was and women walking down to Montague Gardens and I was they were waving I was waving back I came down and about 10 minutes later I was in the headmaster's office women standing there shouting who's letting a boy go up there and do that so yeah, but it didn't worry me. I I loved it. I I still love heights. I run along uh, little parapets and uh, quite enjoy it. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's it, that sort of side of uh, physicality was was I, I enjoyed doing doing that sort of stuff. So it that didn't worry me.
0: But you didn't have any kind of ambition to be. You know, if somebody said to you said to you when you were a child, what do you want to be when you grow up? What did you say? I
1: um, I don't think I, I, I would have said much other than you know make a living. It's a I, I didn't really have any ambition. I think you know the idea of being in 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 film in uh, uh, like a stand-up comic maybe I might have thought of, but um, not really. Because it, it, in those days you just didn't there was no opportunity to, to spread out and do that sort of stuff. Yeah.
0: You just kind of did what everybody else around you did. Yeah.
1: There was, I did a couple of plays at school. I enjoyed them. And I was clown. I was always the, the uh, village idiot or uh, whatever in the, in the plays. So <clears throat> I, yes, I enjoyed the audience and I lo- loved that, but I never thought I'd ever be able to do any more than I was good at football. So I thought I had a trial for, um, Lake and so I was. I used to play for the county, and and um, I, I joined the uh, uh, Sea Cadets, and we we had a good team, and we did the zone in the southern part of England. Uh, so I got medals for that sort of stuff, and if anything, I would have been a footballer.
0: Yeah. Oh, see, I didn't know that. Yeah. 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 Never knew that. Um, so, <laughs> so in terms of um, your parents, I mean, you were one of nine, so there was nine of you at home growing mm. up. And uh, yes. you were the second youngest, so, you know, you were almost the baby of the family, certainly for, for a long time. But when you started getting into television and films and and certainly, you know, the modelling, as you say, in a North London environment, uh, a male model is not something that you're going to necessarily easily admit to. Mm. What did those around you think about what you were doing at that point?
1: Well, I didn't tell anybody until I I'd started <clears throat> and I packed up the factory and I started, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I needed a job where I could be work um, in modelling during the day, and if I was didn't get to work, I'd be able to work at night and make some money. So I joined an insurance company uh, on the knocker, going around selling one and six uh, fire and accident insurance um, with guys that I grew. Some of the guys I've grown up with, but the main guys from the factory just couldn't understand. I remember going back. We used to always uh, go down across keys and have a, on Friday nights, but that was the, uh, all the guys met. Uh, And I remember working with uh, Richard Burton and I I went back there and we were having a drink or whatever and they said, what are you doing? I said, I've been working with Richard Burton. And they went, yeah, it was like, not that they didn't believe me, but it was so different. How could I, uh, be working with Richard Burton, you know? <clears throat> and I felt a divide that I was no longer um, part of their group. <clears throat> I was now slightly separate because I wasn't doing what they were doing. Yeah. And they've, they've been doing it and they carried on doing it all their lives, uh, working in a factory and, and doing whatever they were doing. Whereas I'd, I'd broken away. I'd, yeah. I'd, I just felt that slight, no, we didn't have the same things in common anymore they couldn't talk to me about you know film sets and, and uh, actors and I couldn't talk to him about uh, you know drilling um 16 year uh 16 millimeter holes or <laughs> so, <clears throat> yeah it, it was a slight divide
0: yeah yeah um and in when you were you know uh, started when once you got into sort of the move into television how did then the, the move into films come about i mean what <coughs> was the first film that you did
1: um <clears throat> excuse me the first tv i did was with um uh, was called marriage lines which was at the um uh, studios the old um oh can't think of the studios, Ealing Studios, um, <clears throat> with Richard Briar. Uh, and um, I played a, um, a city gent uh, on the tube and he comes in and he's talking to her and he sits on my lap by mistake. So that was my first um, thing on, you know, where I was featured. Um, <clears throat> others I've been extra work, walking backwards and forwards and whatever, and not really being featured. Um, so, from that going from that sort of um, walk-on stuff, I started doing getting into film by being a film extra and joining the uh, FAA, which was the Film Artists Association. You had to, to be in the union then. Um, <clears throat> that's when I started working on films and doing things like um, um, Help, which I did with the with the Beatles. Yay, yeah. So <clears throat> um, and I remember that very well because. I was, we were extras in a pub, drinking real beer at 10, 11 o'clock in the morning. Um, And the the story is that the Beatles run in and they uh, are looking for a a very ferocious tiger that swallowed uh, Ringo's ring or something. So they say it's in the cellar and the pub. So we're all looking over the thing, they're on that side of the counter, I'm on this side, and we're looking down into the hole. And the guy opens it up, and there's this ferocious um, tiger, and, but in the morning we had to learn this song, and, and Ringo comes in and he says, the only way we can calm it down is that we all sing this song, so we had to sing this, this lullaby to this tiger, so I'm singing with the Beatles. I thought they were singing a little flat, but uh, I didn't (laughs) mention it. I didn't say anything, but they certainly weren't singing in the same key as I was. (laughs) But they were crazy, absolute crazy. Uh, Never did the same take twice, Um, saying different words. I mean, you know, Continuity Girl was going, We're all out living. And um, it was directed by um, Richard uh, Lester, who I did two or three movies with after that, um, including Superman. Uh, but um, then uh, one afternoon, Peter Sellers turned up and then nothing was done. They were just yeah. around all afternoon. But that was good fun. And, yeah. how, uh, many,
0: how many days, were you on that for days or weeks? That
1: no, was just a one- two or three days, I think yeah. we were around outside and then inside and singing with the Beatles.
0: Yeah. Oh, you've got to tell us about Charlie Chaplin. I mean, just another icon.
1: Yeah, that was another, just out of the blue. I'd been called down to, um, uh, I think it was Pinewood Studios, but it was a smart call. In those days, a smart call meant uh, an evening suit, bow tie and uh, uh, a black suit, evening suit. But I didn't have one, I couldn't afford one. But one of the other extras has a suit, and so we did a deal that if he didn't get a smart call and I did, I'd go over to his house and pick up the suit and uh, I'd pay him a percentage of the days that I've, I've used his suit and then we'd have it cleaned and we'd get, we used to go backwards and forwards. So I got this smart call he didn't, so I got the suit. So now we're on, um, it's, it's a film called Countess from Hong Kong uh, and it was Marlon Brando and Sophie Lorraine. Uh, supposed to have met on this, this ship uh, on the uh, Queen Mary, you know, Queen Mary and they're in the ballroom dancing and they're falling in love uh, and and we're all dancing around, pairs of us dancing around, and there's people sitting around um, and I have a lovely girl I'm dancing with and but I'm not a great waltz dancer, whatever, but I was doing well, I was doing okay and then we were doing one rehearsal um, we were going around uh, got, passing by Sophie and uh, and uh, Marlon Brando, and as we were coming down music going, Charlie Chaplin stepped out right in front of us and said, stop. And I thought I was, he was going to sack me. I thought, oh, I'll also get off, um, but he didn't. He, he said, put his arms around both of us and he said, dance with me. And he guided us and we danced. It was very light on his feet. And he take, took us round, he must be 77 at the time, and he danced us round very close to Marlon and uh, Sophie as they were dancing. He said, and when we get to here, I'll bring the camera in past you. Is that okay? <laughs> he said, yes, it's a, okay. But yeah, it was lovely. It was um, very pleasant, very nice and very light
0: what would you say was your kind of breakthrough film because obviously you know you went on to coordinate and direct and and, and all that so what, what was the film that you think oh that's the one that uh that kind of kicked off
1: that that part of your career um although i'd been doing other stuff and i had been coordinating um i think uh possibly uh I got known for the jump on uh, Moonraker, but uh, the main, across from one cable car to the other, I I doubled for Jaws. Um, So I I, I was known by the uh, Bond uh, uh, production, uh, Cubby and and Barbara and uh, Michael for doing that. And uh, so when it came to uh, Octopussy, uh, and they called me in to take over from Martin Grace, who had an accident, climbing alongside the train i think that really established that i was you know uh, an international um, stunt stunt coordinator really yeah. so i was able to uh, do the second unit with arthur Worcester, Worcester, um who was a second unit director so yeah i think that established me as as uh, as a, a known stuntman and uh, coordinator
0: yeah yeah, I mean, and that, that stunt you did on Octopussy, where you sort of run across the top of the train as it's moving and then jumping over pipes and under bridges, that, that was quite hairy, wasn't it? Because you did that for real.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. That, uh, <clears throat> that was probably the most dangerous uh, closest I've ever come to losing my head. Um, uh, on, uh, it was, what he had to do was get out of a flat on the top of the train, uh, a carriage, And because the flap was facing towards the engine and the bridge is coming towards me, I had to lift it up, look out the side of it and judge whether I could get out onto the top, uh, sit on, then stand up and then duck under the bridge. So the first time um, I had a guy sitting on the side of the um, track uh, saying, uh, I said, when my carriage gets to this point, you say now and I'll judge it from there. So he said, now, and I lifted up the flap, looked, and I had plenty of time. I got up and then ducked down under the bridge. I thought, I can do this closer. (laughs) I said to Arthur, I think we can do it better. So we took it back to uh, number one. I said, you say the same again now. So we got up to speed, 35 miles an hour. I lifted up the flap, looked, got up. Yeah, I can, yeah, it's fine. That was comfortable. I said, Arthur, I think we can do this closer. I had a camera right behind me. So he said, it was up to you. I said, okay, I I think we can. Took it back to number one. He said now, and I said, one, two, three, four, got up. And I thought, oh, can I make it? Can I make it? And I just got up and you can see it on the film. I just, I felt the the bridge going over the top of my head. And it said two feet above the the train. So I had really had to get down fast and the flap just knocked the flap down. Yeah. So yeah, that was the hairiest and probably unnecessary, but it was my ego saying I can do it. I can get a better shot, and that's the, the, what you want to do is uh, is to be able to give them the best shot that's possible that you know is safe. Yeah, and then that, we came out the other side of the the the, uh, <laughs> the bridge, and there was a pipe two foot six above the the train and I said to Arthur, because I used to just duck under it, because we weren't filming it, and I said to Arthur and the boys, I said, if they see that back in, in the studio, in the rushes, they're going to say, you know, Paul, about that bridge, and sure enough, two days later, got a phone call, Paul, about that bridge, can you dive over it? <laughs> I said, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll try it. What,
0: well, the bridge, thought, or the or the
1: pipe? the pipe? The pipe. The pipe. Oh, sorry, yeah, about that the pipe. Um, so, um, There it was coming at me at 35 miles an hour. And all I had to do was take a couple of steps, but I had to judge. If I jump too soon, it's going to hit my feet and it's going to knock me off the top of the train. If I jump too late, uh, sorry, if I jump too, either way, if I jump too late, it's going to hit me. Uh, If I jump too soon, I'm going to come down on it. So it was just a matter of timing. I said to the, to the camera crew, and I had a low camera on the floor that went under the, the pipe. Um, I said, if I chicken out, you know, I'll just duck down. But it came up and uh, the timing was just right. And I just flew in the air over the top. It was bouncing on the other side, because there was no safety. I could have bounced off. But, yeah. uh, but yeah. Yeah, you, you did everything for real in those days. There yeah, no- I
0: mean, would you be able to do, would they allow you to do that now? Or is there is there sort of more safety involved yeah, you'd,
1: now? you'd have outriggers on the side. You'd you'd have a bit of safety there, so that if you did bounce off, you'd bounce into a rig. They wouldn't uh, wouldn't allow you to do the stuff that we used to do. Yeah, like climbing alongside the train. There was no with no wires or anything. It was just because you did that.
0: Lady vanishes, didn't you? You came out of the side of a a train and uh, went along. Was that for real? That was.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah, we were doing, again, doing 30 miles an hour, over a 300 foot viaduct, going into a tunnel that was a half a mile long tunnel and with a steam train. <laughs> so uh, I came up with a fantastic shot. Let's talk about creating. You want to create what the best shot possible. So I came up, I was doing second units. Uh, I said, look, if we put a camera on the side of the train, so that when Elliot Gould, I was doubling for Elliot Gould, he puts his hands on the uh, the carriage window, pulls it down a little, and he looks out. So we, we see it's his face, but it's my hands on the window. So I pulled the window down, and just before we we're about to do the shot, he said, Scratch my nose. <laughs> I said, I can't, because I'm, I'm underneath him like this. I can't even see his face. If <laughs> in the eye gone up his nose. So we, like, he pulled down, I pulled down the window and he looks out and then he turns and I put my shoulder out and then my leg came out and I climbed along the, the train. And and what I, did, what I wanted to do was just as I'm going into the tunnel, get to the next window and I've made it so it only drops down four inches. So that as I get there, I just drop and it looks like I'm falling off, going into the blackness of the tunnel. So we, <laughs> we do it and it's fine. As I'm going along, there's sparks going in my hair because it's a steam train, and I've got my hair curly like. Uh,
0: you had hair then.
1: Yeah. <laughs> perms, so it was all curly, and I had um, uh, sparks going in there, and it's burning my head. So I'm going along, trying to put my he- head out, uh, my hair out. So I get along to the other carriage, and I drop down and go into the tunnel. And I'm hanging in there and it's the smoke and it's coughing me and there's sparks everywhere. So I thought I'll go back to the window that I've just come out because I can get back in that one. So I feel my handholds again in the black, gets back to the window and it's closed. Um, Sybil Shepherd had shut it up straight away and gone down to the other window to see that I'm safe. And when, because when she gets down there, I'm not on there anymore. They all scream and think I've fallen off in the tunnel. But sure enough, when the, it stopped, they looked out. Now I came down the track, black face and steaming <laughs> <my> hair, <laughs> smoking hair. But yeah, it was a good, good shot to have done.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, it was amazing. I can remember watching that and thinking, oh gosh. Mm. But I mean, looking behind you on the, that picture of you on Star Wars, mm. that was a that was another accident that actually, you know did some damage because I have to say in all the you know touch wood because you you've not really stopped working considering um Mm -hmm. but uh you know you've not actually had that many accidents have you I mean Mm I you know I'd say I am touching wood while i say that but the Star Wars one was one that I I remember and then we'll move on to Superman (laughs) but tell us what happened in Star Wars and how long ago was that? What what year was that? Because this was one of the originals, wasn't it? Uh,
1: yes, that was 80, 83, something like that. Eighty three, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was a uh, yeah. We I done it was Superman. We were competing on Superman one with Star Wars when it was starting to come out in seventy seven, I think, in the eight. Um, so yeah it must have been around about early 80s um, that um, I got a call to go out to um, uh, California to um, Arizona and California right on the border um, and we was at, um, uh, at Yuma at Yuma Arizona and I was playing a part of um, that plot part there of uh, Verdeen the skip pilot and uh, <clears throat> I was I was doubling going to be doubling for Harrison if there was any problem on the on the uh, skiff, and they needed that boy it was going to be me. And then the, the um, stunt coordinator, American stunt coordinator, said, "I want somebody to play the, 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 the skiff pilot," and uh, nobody volunteered. So I said, "Oh well, you know, I'll get to American if you British can't do it." I said, "No, I'll do it. Don't worry." So I got the costume, and I and. Um, I said, if we're what the shot was that there's an explosion on the, on the skiff. I'm fighting uh, Billy D. Williams's stunt double. Um, uh, and as we go off, uh, the explosion goes off. I'm, we're supposed to hang over the side of the skiff. He's on a cable and it holds one of the cables. And then he shakes me off. I'm holding on to him. And then I fall down 12 feet onto the slope and then roll down into the Sarak pit, which was a big hole in the ground. Um, so that was the idea. And I said, well, I'd much prefer to have my own cable, two cables, two guys on the cable's not very good. He said, no, I, this is the new harness and it's got you've got to do it this way. So I said okay. Um, so we I had handholds on him. We struggle on the on the top and the explosion goes off and as we went into space, everything went in slow motion. As it does, your adrenaline is pumping so fast, your mind is so fast, everything slows down. And I could see him, I felt the jerk in his body as it came the, the cable came away from him, and it was a little bit on the end of it. And he grabbed the cable and I saw the, the piece go through his hand and then blood went shh. Oh. And I thought, oh, this is not right. So now we're going out, instead of me just falling down 12 feet, we're both going 20 feet down to, uh, and I've got him on top of me, and he was a big guy, Julius Lefler, and my right leg was down, and it just hit first, got caught in the foam rubber out under the sand. My foot twisted and snapped my leg, and I was rolling into the silic pit, and I thought, i broke broken my leg, but if I can see my toes and they're pointing up, It's one bone. If it's facing the other way, that's bad. That's two bones. And as I threw him off, as we went into the airbag at the bottom and I threw my leg up and my toes were pointing up, I thought, oh, thank God for that. (laughs) That was good. good." (laughs) Only one bone. So that was that. that. Yeah. So I was on crutches and um, I went off to uh, L.A. and I stayed at the... um, uh, a Beverly Hills Hotel. The week it was terrible.
0: Yeah, I bet it was. Yeah, you got you got nursed by Carrie Fisher, if I remember rightly. Right. Yes. Yes. In fact, yeah. Yeah, and that cast that you had on your leg was then signed by all sorts of people.
1: Yes, all the cast and uh, some of the crew signed it. Um, and when I got, went back to London, they put me in touch with a guy, uh, a specialist, a, a um, orthopedic whatever he was a specialist top man they said so I said oh great so I went to see him and I walked into his office and he said Paul Weston I said yes he said who sins most what I begged your pardon he said who sins most I said uh, well I said, I said funny enough I said I did a uh, play at the King's Head in Islington called who sins most he said I wrote it I was <laughs> So he was he was the author of the play Who Sins Most, um, so uh, he looked after me and uh, I, because the, the cast was all signed. He said, "I've got to take the cast off and reset your leg because uh, it's not quite right." So I said, "Well, be careful with the cast," and he cut down both sides very carefully, and managed to get it off and uh, I put it back together again. And um, that is now in the in the uh, Obi Wan can. Kenobi Ranch Museum in uh, in San Francisco, in wow. a glass case.
0: Yeah, amazing. Mm-hmm. There can't be many casts in the world that are actually uh, on display <laughs> somewhere. Brilliant. Yeah. But moving on to uh, the Superman films, because obviously that was uh, by then, I I remember you were working away a lot. There were big films coming up. There was lots going on. We'd already been in 1976 off to uh, Holland with you when we when we were lucky enough to come and stay, which never happened, didn't happen very often. Um, um, but then, yeah, on a bridge too far. And then uh, with the Superman films, again, late sort of 70s, uh, you took those on as the stunt coordinator. And there was there was a hell of a lot of uh, I mean, I remember those street scenes in those Superman films, you know, and, and the sort of one what do you call them? They're not tricks. What are you? What do you? Gags or whatever?
1: yes. Yeah. Yes. Everyone doing something. Yeah. Um, well, Superman was wonderful because I uh, I was Superman one. I was uh, on the flying unit, so I would do all the lineups for for Chris. <clears throat> excuse me. With wires, we we tried everything to try to get rid of wires, um, and it was difficult sometimes because. You know, we, there, were, there was no roller scope, there was no um, technology to, to CGI or anything to get them out. They used to have to blow up the frame and paint out each frame if there was a wire that was too obvious. A lot of time we got away with it if we lined them up against buildings or you, we tried to, out, um, to light them out, you know, different coloured wires against different coloured things um and um i don't know whether i should tell you this but on one of them uh we we were trying to get the wires to disappear and uh lesbowie came in one morning and the, the special effects guy and he said i've cracked it we've done it i've i have i have tried everything i had a my uh, wardrobe blacked out and i had a little model of superman hanging on wires and i had a 50 50 mirror and a predict projector trying to film and night scenes. I'll get away with night scenes using. So everybody was trying to get rid of wires. So Les came in and said, I cracked it. And uh, uh, with uh, Dick Donner, the director said, great. What is it? What is it? So we all crowded around and he said, and he got the stick. And he said, if you wiggle the stick fast enough, it disappears. And it, it did, it disappeared. So he said, I think if we vibrate the wires, they disappear. So Dick Don said, "Do it. Go ahead. Do it. We'll see it in rushes tomorrow." So Les said, "Okay, we set out. And we put white board behind the black wire so you we could see them uh, properly. See if they disappeared." I got my harness on, uh, which is uh, two straps go under your crush, a little uh, level harness, two bullets uh, sticking out the side with wiring, uh, and we were down to 50, uh, 18 gauge piano wire, literally just a, one cord. Um, So they took me up um, to a flying level. The camera was there and I was going to be flying and they were going to, they put two ladders up the side of the um, wires and they put two vibrators (laughs) attached to each wire and switched them on, dashed down and off they went. And next morning in the rushes, you saw the ladders go and they took them out and you see me on my face And there was no sound, it was just me going. (laughs) I said, okay, it doesn't work, I want one. (laughs) But the vibration, obviously, Um, but the wires, what happened to the wires, it was like a a sound wave where um, it goes like that and it goes thin again. Um, But where it went thin, it went an inch thick. Uh, So it was an inch thick at the top, you know, it disappeared in a, a bit there, another little bit, thick bit, and then it disappeared at the bottom. So no, you, it didn't work. You exactly. just, uh, just if you were just filming just a, a small part of it, but you'd have to have um, twenty-five foot wires to to be able to yeah. you know, make yeah. them. Disappear. They never did. So I know it didn't work, but... Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm not even going to ask who, who, whose job it was to go out and buy the vibrators. Yes. Or who loaned the vibrator. I'm not even going to yes. go there. Not even to go there. Um, but again, you did have an accident whilst flying, and that I yeah. remember very well.
1: Yes. Uh, it was uh, January 7th, my birthday, and I got a call they asked me on the Friday um, to come in Saturday morning um, to do the bur- burglar sequence. And I said no. I'm, you know, Saturday morning it's my birthday. I'm going out with the girls and my wife and the family, um, so I'd rather not come in. And he said, well, you know, you'd be finished by lunchtime, just after lunch. So I said, all right. <clears throat> so we, we start early in the morning, and uh, I'm rehearsing the, the burglar sequence where uh, he's climbing up the side of the building with suckers. He gets quite a way up, and Superman lands. Uh, feet go on alongside his head. So the art department laid this side of the building on the studio floor. So I'm on the studio floor with the suckers rehearsing that. Uh, Then Superman, we assume Superman lands there. Now he's got to fall back and tumble. So I was tumbling backwards all the way down with the front projection on the big screen behind me was New York State streets. So it looked like I was falling back down to the streets and then Superman had to take over, over the top of me and catch me at the bottom. So I was, I was rehearsing both sections. So I did the, we did the burglar bit <clears throat> and we'd finished by 10 o'clock. So I got into my Superman gear, the lighting and whatever to do the fly uh, straight down towards the screen. Um, so, supposedly the, the burglar is underneath me, but all it is rehearsing uh, Superman flying towards the screen. That was at 10 past 10, um, a wire got caught on our stage, uh, got caught on a 30 foot tower and the tower fell over. Everyone jumped out of the way, no one was hurt, thank God. 20 past 10, up on 007 stage, a 27 year old um, special effects guy is pulling up the Air Force One wing, three tons of it, lifting it up into position. on a rope that had just come back from death on the Nile and it dried out in in, uh, Egypt Uh, and it snapped and it fell on him and and killed him so an ambulance came and took him away at uh, half past 10 I'm doing the flying all I'm doing is flying down towards the screen um, and and stopping I'm stopping probably 15 feet away from the end of the screen Um, and you have a stop that stops the skate. Skate your wires are on <clears throat> uh, like a coat hanger, and then that goes up to one cable on a uh, a pulley, uh, and on the skate, and that pulled that goes along the whole length of the studio, and you're pulled along uh, behind it. The most dangerous, uh, like flying in a plane, is the most dangerous part is taking off and landing because on wires the wire goes ahead of you and then you put all your weight on those wires and then it takes you up. And then when you're flying along, you're fairly even. And then when you get to the other end and the gate the skate stops, you swing on and that's when all your weight goes on it <clears throat> again. But I was stopping 15 feet away from, from the, the screen. Uh, <clears throat> I had a row of boxes on the floor, just in case I'm probably uh, 15 feet up in the air. I've got a row of boxes on the floor, a cardboard, empty cardboard boxes, and some mattresses on top. So in case the wires do break, I can fall under the boxes. So I've got them right up to the screen. And just before we do doing another uh, rehearsal, um, Johnny May, the, the chief sparks, said, "Paul, can I shift these two boxes out to get a lamp round?" I said, "Yeah, not a problem. I'm not stopping anywhere near them." He took the boxes out, turn over action, off I went, flying down for some reason, I still don't know, the guys who were, were propelling the skate along, which is on a big drum, and they turn a big handle and the wire goes round and it pulls, pulls the, the skate along. For some reason, they pulled me faster than they'd ever done before. The skate hit and stop and I swung on like a pendulum and either I hit the screen and the wires broke or the, the wires broke and I hit the screen, I don't know but I went straight down head first on my head, like that. I got my hands down because I still can't get my wrist all the way back. So they bent all the way back and I went onto my head and broke my cheekbone and hit my hip. And, uh, uh, but my face was out here um, and I was unconscious. And then <clears throat> I remember the, the waking up there for a second and seeing uh, a nurse's face, probably from the, local, from the uh, studio nurse. And then I was out again, and I woke up at um, Wexham Park Hospital, and the same ambulance that came, took the, the guy, uh, came back for me. So yeah, that was um, an accident. But I was only, it, my face was out here, I remember coming home, I was worried about coming home to you and, and Lisa and uh, your mum, because uh, my face was so swollen, it was like a balloon.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and then I was in, a stayed at home for a, a couple of weeks and uh, Chris turned up on the doorstep. Chris, uh, Chris Reeves. Your mother tells the story of uh, <clears throat> there was a ring at the bell, and she went down the hall, and uh, we had glass in the front of the, the door. She said there was this big shape, and it was um, she opened the door. It was uh, Crystal Reeves.
0: He was Superman. Superman. <laughs> I'm so, I'm so gutted. I was at school. I didn't. <laughs> yeah. I didn't. I yeah. didn't get to meet him. So how was that? Were you surprised? He obviously. I
1: was actually, yeah, I was uh, shocked, and uh, it was lovely. And he came and sat for half an hour or so, and uh, it, it was lovely. He was nice. <clears throat> so when he had his accident, uh, um, I sent him a, a, a telegram saying, "You know, I'm sorry I can't be at your side as you were at my side when I had my accident." Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Such a lovely man. Yeah.
0: Yeah so in terms of what they do these days though you know i mean they've remade the superman films obviously since since then and you know with all these action movies all the marvel all you know i've sat and watched in lockdown i think every single marvel film (coughs) ever made um so what do they what do they do now is it all cgi'd i mean would. Is it completely, I mean, are stunts redundant almost?
1: No, no, I I think we've got more work and it's a bigger industry because we're now international, um, but um, the technology of of being able to get rid of wires, you can put, like when you see Daniel Craig jumping from one building to another, he's on a cable as thick as that. Yeah.
0: um,
1: And he might have, if he's got to do, if they've got to do, excuse me, if they've got to do something where they're, they're flipping or turning, they know they may have four wires on them. So they're, but a stuntman would have to do, have to do it all first. Um, we've not lost, you know, that job. We have to um, test everything before yeah. they get onto them. But with these days, the technology of, of wire work, I'd love to be starting now to be able to do what they did. With, they they can do now with wires. You yeah. see on Star Wars, you see a dozen guys being blasted off into you know, all on different wires and just just flying out. And uh, we've got great wire people now, stunt wires um, and uh, 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 great technology. And I'm, yeah. I'm envious of what they're doing now.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just quite strange, isn't it, to see now, though, these huge green screens where, mm. you know, I mean, even as a stunt performer, you know, d- rather than an actor, it must be disorientating not actually being able to see, you know, the situation you're meant to be in.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's um. They can put, they can change any backing, uh, any background. Uh, Just put a uh, use the bottom half of a building and then make it a cathedral. You know, just just amazing what the the technology today. But it is, you know, when you see like horses galloping, you know, they're probably on a (laughs) a treadmill running, and they've got a different background going on. It's just amazing what they can do.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Well, you've, you have, obviously, you've had an amazing career and you are still working. I think up until just before lockdown, you were on the
1: Batman. Just on Batman. A...
0: Yeah. yeah. So do you think that will continue? Do you know what's, what's happening with that?
1: For me, I doubt it. I mean, I won't get a great deal for me, but um, certainly the industry is already picking up and they're, they're working well. Hopefully I'll get a call every now and again to, uh, to guest, to,
0: guess, to guess I, don't want, I don't
1: want to take on any big movies. Um, doing a health and safety, you know, it's that thick yeah. health and safety now that you have to comply with, and you you, seek, you sign that, and that's uh, it's yeah. your responsibility. Yeah, I to... always was really. Yeah. It was down to um, it's either was the first assistant or the stunt coordinator. Uh, yeah. But when when I started, you'd be on a building. This is in the you know sixties. Uh in the early 70s, and you had to sign a bloodshit. If you were about to fall off a, a producer or accountant come along and say, Hold it, stop. As he signed a bloodship. And it was a uh, you're signing away your common law rights to uh, anything that happens, it's your fault. If you fell on somebody and killed them, it was your fault. If the right. uh, lamp fell down and Hurt you? It doesn't. It's, it's nothing you can do about it. You yeah. find signed away your, your rights to sue or complain.
0: And is is blood chit a, a technical term? A, a, a
1: it was. It, well, no, 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 we used to call it a blood chit because you're signing up. You know, your life away.
0: Yeah.
1: But no, um, yeah, it was just a, a indemnity form that um, you had to to sign to say that they you take the total responsibility for your actions.
0: Yeah, I mean, did. Going back to that sort of era, uh, we've had conversations before about how stunt women back then uh, were, were obviously treated differently. In that, you know, they they were quite often wearing skirts and, you know, being able to wear pads and any kind of protection. You know, yeah. and I know you you worked with the union in in getting some of those. Some of those oh, rights
1: it, for women when we started, women were uh, paid half half the, the men got because they said, Well, they're women, and it was very early on we had to put a stop to that. Um, and said, No, you know, they do uh, a heavier job than we do, they're in skirts and 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 uh, high heels, and we're in you know, we got baseball, uh, uh. uh I uh, do to call it uh, hockey <laughs> hockey pads on, you know, we couldn't get, well, we didn't have any pads, you know, for uh, us guys. I mean, the girls didn't have any, but we didn't have any either. So um, my first back pad was a piece of foam back carpet. I cut out to shape of my back and put a bit, two holes in it, a bit of string, turned it, uh, tied it around my waist. That was luxury. To fall down concrete stairs with a back pad it was, you know, you were high tech
0: yeah,
1: and I think it was Axman so it was pretty good cover.
0: <laughs> only the best yeah, only the best um, and you have written all this down, haven't you? I mean how, yeah. how what's the word count now
1: uh, well it's the, the first book happened to from from uh, oh. from being bold during the war and telling the story of, of growing up during the war uh, and in the fifties and sixties the what it was like modeling and uh, then I go on to you know doing stunts. I've I've gone up to eighty three. I'm just writing at the moment, uh, Octopussy, um, uh, and it's it's probably a hundred thousand words. So uh, it's it's too long. Um, it's long, but I, uh, people have read it, what I've done already, and they say it's enjoyable. So yeah. they don't take anything out. But no,
0: absolutely. It's come out. I, I've read it, and it is you know, and it's it's every every. Page, every story is is of interest, and you know, it's, it's amazing. Um, yeah, so yeah, keep going, keep going, get it all out. Well,
1: I'm, on the beta, I'm on book two at the moment, so uh, yes, um, I'm dealing with uh, Lassiter uh, at the moment, Tom Selleck.
0: Yeah, yeah. But you've always enjoyed writing, haven't you? I mean, writing something that you've always done. You, know, you was know, that, in terms of your creativity, is it is it was it a, a way of being creative for you? Because right back in the seventies, almost you were you were writing.
1: I wrote, I wrote like the Minder, and uh, I sent seven ideas to BBC in in 75, 1975. One was the Minder, uh, one was um, the Good Life, which was a, a story of. Uh, a lawyer in, uh, uh, on the, on Jersey. I said, the island of Jersey hasn't been exploited. Um, uh, this is a lawyer who gets involved, a retired lawyer, who gets involved with all the, the wealthy people on the island. I said, uh, Jersey should be a, a lovely place to, to make a series. Sure enough, they came up and did uh, Bergerac there, which was BBC. Uh, and I did, um, a, another thing was um, Stunt Cadets, uh, which they, they held they held on to two I did um uh, uh, they they held on to stunt cadets and the minder and said they were looking into what the possibilities of that was and then uh, by uh, february uh, two uh, seventy six uh, <clears throat> I got a letter saying no they couldn't fit them into their schedules at that time so that was it and then I, 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 almost a year later I was in the queue for food in Pinewood. And an old friend of mine was a production manager. He said, what are you doing? He said, I'm doing this TV series called Minder. Um, so I thought, wow, where'd that come from? It's, it's, a, it's about a guy who looks after people in the, in the East End. So it was similar. And, um, so, um, but I couldn't prove that it was my idea. It was probably somebody else had exactly the exact same idea at the same time. But I didn't have the Arthur Daly character. No, so
0: uh, well, it doesn't take much, does it, to change
1: no, something no.
0: so that it's you know,
1: but uh, yeah, I was always writing uh poetry. I was um, like if I was flying anywhere, I would be I'd spend the time writing poets, poems. So I've got stacks of little poems that I made up here and there. And so when it came to uh, uh aliens, and um, we wanted to to uh, uh, get some some money for. Uh, Sean's my nephew's a school uh, 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 for for um, disabled children. Um, I came up with the idea that we would uh, get write a song uh, called "Merry Christmas," which I wrote "Merry Christmas, Mother," uh, uh, sung by the Stunk Choir, and we would uh, get it printed and um, and sell to raise money for the, the swimming pool, which I did. And um, I've worked with. Um, uh, Mick Flynn of the New Seekers and we produced it with um, the stone Choir which was quite good and we got about six, eight hundred pounds for towards the, the swimming pool in those days which was pretty good.
0: I mean you know we're going to have to come back and do this because there are so many stories about the whole kind of songwriting thing is is you know a, a whole other podcast but it is quite funny now when you think about it because obviously I've I'm now doing a writing degree. I'm now writing and f- I have found a love for writing, which I didn't realize I had. My daughter, uh, your granddaughter Isabella is writing songs and is going off to do a creative writing degree. So, you know, without even kind oh, of,
1: yeah. <laughs> say again. It's in our blood.
0: It's in our blood. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, passed down yeah so no i look forward to uh, to eventually one day when the second book third book fourth book is written <laughs> however many that that would take but as i say you, you, we'll have to continue this conversation because there are so many films i'd forgotten about alien i mean and the part in the book that i liked was the oh, bear island when you were up you know in the yep. yeah almost on the north pole just mm. yeah and that that whole adventure and yes doubling for Vanessa Redgrave and yeah
1: had a uh, beard at the time
0: <laughs> yes yes but thank you for for today so we'll yeah we'll we'll have to stop there unfortunately because there's not enough room on my computer to record anymore unfortunately but thank you so much
1: love you very much and you uh, great job.
0: yeah oh, thank <laughs> you and give my, give my love to mum I will thank you for listening If you liked what you heard, then please like or share. If you'd like to receive information on future guests or would like to know more about Power to Speak, then sign up for our newsletter at www.powertospeak.co.uk. I look forward to seeing you next time.